With Summer League over and with the draft also in the books, who would I move up and down my 2022 big board? There is some movement, so find out coming up next. You are Locked On NBA Big Board, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everyone, to the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. My name is Sam Ferris. I am your host today. You can follow me on Twitter at Draft Dummies. I am a credentialed NBA draft analyst. I've been at a lot of the biggest recent events, including both the Salt Lake and the Vegas Summer League. Those were very enjoyable. If you've never been, if you're a basketball fan, I assume you are. If you're listening to this podcast, I would heavily recommend making the trip at some point in the future. I've started doing it uh, six, seven years ago, and I've done it every year. It's something I always look forward to, especially as someone who follows the draft as closely as I do. So thank you for making this podcast your first listen today. I hope that's the case every day. And you can uh, find this podcast on any platform wherever you get your podcast. And you can also find it on YouTube. Um, Again, the topic that I'm going to hit on today is now that the draft is in the books, we know where all the prospects are going. And we saw a little bit of most of them in Summer League. I'm going to give you an updated big board of mine through the lottery. A couple guys I'm going to hit on specifically that have moved up or down. So that's what I'm going to do today. Uh, So if you're watching this on YouTube and you can comment below, let me know who is a guy or two from this last draft class that you've moved up or down on based on what you saw at Summer League or based on the situation that they ended up getting drafted to. Uh, And also, I just want to ask for you to bear with me as I am recovering from COVID. It's something that's been going around quite a bit right now. So if my voice sounds a little stuffy, I apologize, but can't stop talking basketball for too long. I hadn't really had a chance to get all my summer league thoughts out. So let's get into that now. And the first thing that I wanted to hit on is my overarching thought on summer league and how much I put into that. There are some people that say, you know, uh, they don't put any stock at all, no value at all in Summer League. And personally, like, I I disagree with that. First of all, that's no fun. Like, why are you really watching if you don't value it at all? I think that's like overreacting or trying to be too cute or too cool. Uh, The way I look at it is we have such a small sample with all of these guys up till now. There are so few data points. Summer League is just another data point to add on. So what you do have to be careful careful with, though, in my opinion, is the two traps you can fall into are these. Number one, you can value, you can overvalue the most recent thing you saw, which is the latest Summer League game. And that's where you can fall into trouble. And then the one other thing is you can fall into trouble by just uh, kind of uh, overreading into shooting percentages, whether shots go in in a small sample. So those are the two things I'd say to avoid. But otherwise, I do take into account Summer League. I do value it somewhat. However, having said that, we're going to get into my big board. And this is where I say that 
my top eight remains unchanged. So I'm just going to read my top eight names, but the the nine through 14 range of my board is what I really want to get into today because that's where I saw some change. And to me, you know, that kind of checks out. That makes sense. The top eight guys I was already pretty sure of, and I, I wasn't really going to change my mind too much based on summer league. So the way my top eight goes is number one, Chet, number two, Jabari Smith, number three, Paolo, number four, Jaden Ivey, five, Jalen Duran, six, Shaden Sharp, seven, Benedict Matherin, who in my opinion had maybe the most underrated summer league performance. And then number eight, Jeremy Sohan, who we didn't even get to see play in summer league. Unfortunately, he also, like me, had COVID before and so didn't get to ramp up that conditioning But now this is where it gets interesting. At number nine for me is Keegan Murray. And if you remember, I had him before at 11. So just two spots below. He is a riser in that sense that I did move him up two spots. Um, But it's not like he'd really changed tiers too much for me. It's not like I've completely changed my thought process. But one important thing from... Uh, for Keegan Murray is the movement shooting looked really impressive in summer league in both the California classic and in Las Vegas. I think that's really important for him because with Keegan Murray, when you're looking at him and you're thinking, you know, what are potential paths to upside to a high end outcome for Keegan Murray? And I think, you know, he, he doesn't have great athleticism or burst on ball. And he's also not a very good passer. And he's already 20, 22 years old, or he's going to be 22 when the season starts. So without that burst, without the passing, I don't see a lot of like primary outcome, like on ball, uh, just self-creation or creation for others. Like to me, I don't really see the path there. The path to me for him to hitting a high-end outcome is being 6'8", being, you know, decently athletic, good at a lot of different skills, but the high-end outcome hits if his movement shooting hits. And I think his movement shooting was neither a negative nor a positive as a prospect. I do think, though, that it was underrated to a certain extent. And at Summer League, that was the main thing that hit for me was uh, off of screens, off of pin downs, even one, two dribble pull-ups, things we saw at times at Iowa were the biggest positive for me for Keegan Murray. And so if that hits combined with his size and just being a solid all-around player, uh, that's an active player that can also score within just the flow of the offense, doesn't need players run for him. That's how he hits his high-end outcome. So that to me was the positive with Keegan Murray. And I'll add though that, Again, he is going to be 22. He's old. We've talked about this so much, maybe over-talked about it. It was important for him to dominate Summer League, unlike some other 18-year-olds. When you're that age, you're already older, you just dominated college. I did want to see him coming in and dominate the Summer League, and frankly, that's what he did. He lived up to it. And so for those reasons, I've moved him up a few spots. I think he's going to get a lot of minutes right off the bat going number four, going to Sacramento. And I've talked about this. I think I tweeted it. I don't, he's not going to be my pick to win rookie of the year, 
But my two favorite values on the board for Rookie of the Year are Benedict Matherin and Keegan Murray. Go ahead and check what they are now. I tweeted that a couple days ago. Again, if you want to follow me at Draft Dummies. So we did, Keegan Murray did end up winning Summer League MVP. I don't read too much into that. If you look at the history of the ward, no All-Stars have won that. It was Davion Mitchell last year. So, hey, maybe the Kings are just really good at drafting some players. Uh, That's kind of a unnecessary rip on the Kings. But very excited to see Keegan Murray. He moved up two spots for me. All right, coming up next, after the break, the 10 spot on my board is my biggest riser. He's the guy that I really completely changed my thought process on and I'll reveal who that is coming up after the break. From the people who invented healthy and tasty comes the latest gift to your taste buds. You've probably tried the amazing coconut brownie chunk built bar, but guess what? Your friends at built bar have given chocolate coconut brownie chunk the puffs treatment. That's right. The flavor you love now in a deliciously chewy marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. It's like a fluffy cloud of coconut brownie goodness. But stop drooling and listen. They are also good for you with low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and all delicious. They are made with collagen protein, with which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. Because you're listening to the show, go to built.com, use promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. Again, that is promo LOCKED15. So the, the number 10 guy that I hinted at before the break is my biggest riser. He plays or was drafted for the Oklahoma City Thunder out of the University of Santa Clara. It's Jalen Williams. I had him in the low 20s. Now, I did say that I one of my predictions before draft night was that on draft night, he'd be one of the biggest risers. I said I thought there was a chance he'd go late lottery. I, in fact, was correct about that. However, my own personal assessment, I only had him in the low 20s. And I'm already taking the L on that one. Again, he's the one guy here where I really have changed my outlook. I wrote him off too much because he was already an upperclassman for a WCC team that really hadn't shown himself to be a legit prospect until he was a junior. But a guy that was a late kind of growth guy just uh, recently sprouted up to the, the size that he is now. But the length stands out to me in person, seeing him both in Vegas and Salt Lake. One of the bigger takeaways seen guys in person was Jalen Williams' length. But also on top of the length, a few other things I want to hit on with Jalen Williams that changed my mind about him. The one thing I'll say is he played on ball a lot at Santa Clara, and I wasn't sure exactly how he would scale. But now I'm very, very confident that he can scale down to a smaller role. And those guys that do have the capability to play on ball, but can also scale down very effectively and efficiently to a smaller role are so valuable because you can play them off the ball and OKC already has guys that are going to handle the ball and Giddy and SGA. But if he continues to really improve and he's going to get a few of these chances, 
on ball in pick and roll, he's really good too, and he can shoot it, and he's got size. So the scalability plus the on ball upside, that ability to scale both up and down in terms of usage is huge. And I, I really love that. I was completely sold the first time I, I saw him in person. So I wish I had the opportunity to see him play in person prior to the draft. I think I would have seen him differently. So that's huge. That scalability, that ability to scale up and down in usage is big for him. The one other thing that st- stood out to me seeing him in person was how often he dunked the ball, considering he's not like a, an elite athlete. And there are two reasons why I think he does that. Number one, because again, his length, like he gets around the rim and like he just dunks the ball easily because of his length. But also number two to me is his spatial awareness offensively is really, really good too. And so I just really like his ability to play off of Giddy. We already saw a lot of that. And he's so good at timing his cuts and it's not just the cuts he just kind of floats into the right spaces offensively too. So one thing that I really noted is he's so good playing that baseline and just getting to the right spot to catch and then quickly dunk. So that ability to kind of hang out and play that baseline reminds me of a guy that played for the Utah Jazz like uh, 10, 15 years ago now, maybe. And that was Ronnie Brewer uh, from Arkansas. If you remember, he had the broken elbow and he didn't have the ball skills that Jalen Williams does, but just that, that ability to play the baseline, to cut, find dunks at that size. And physically they kind of look pretty similar as well. So that's kind of uh, a throwback from 10, 15 years ago. If anybody remembers Ronnie Brewer uh, at Arkansas or playing for the Utah jazz. So again, Jalen Williams is a guy that's moved up significantly for me all the way into my top 10. He's my pick for biggest riser. All right, so let's see, who do I have up next? At number 11, Tari Eason. I've gushed, I've glowed a lot about Tari Eason. Before the draft, I did kind of a series of tweets where I talked about what would be the ideal outcome for each team, especially those that had multiple picks, because that's more fun to think about, you know, if they go this way with this pick, what would be kind of the most interesting sequence of picks? And... To me, I said it would be ideal if Houston can get Tari Eason at 17. And lo and behold, that is what happened. He goes 17 to Houston. Perfect fit. And I think he and Jabari Smith provide that insulation defensively on the wing that the Rockets really needed. Now, there's always a chance that guys don't turn out. That happens in the draft for sure. But in theory, those were the guys they needed to kind of insulate Shangun to to provide that defensive presence and then also the spacing uh, for Jabari Smith around Jalen Green, Shangun, and the other young players. Just an aspect that they were missing, and I think that now they have that answer. Uh, but in Summer League, Tari Eason led Summer League, or at Vegas at least, in rebounding of guys that played at least two games at 10.4 rebounds. And again, remember these games are shorter than an NBA game. First team all summer league brought a ton of energy. I call him Mr. Activity or Mr. Event Creator because that's what he does. It's deflections, gets his hand on balls, gets into guys. He'll do all that stuff. Again, that's an aspect that I think the Houston Rockets need. 
Um, Jay Sean Tate does some of the similar stuff, but Tari Eason, frankly, is more talented version of that player. Uh, I would even argue that he might have been Houston's best offensive player in summer league. Josh Christopher was the better scorer probably and like driver downhill, but the passing left some to be desired. And Tari Eason is a year behind him in terms of when he was drafted. Uh, The jumper is still the question, but the handle looked good to me. The rebounding, the activity, basically it all translated like I expected. And he just fills that slot on the wing for the Houston Rockets. So not a guy that I moved up a ton. I think I had him like 15. So I moved him up like three or four spots. Um, I still have the same question about the jumper, but I just think he's gone to an ideal situation where his skill set's needed. And I think that he showed everything that I expected him to show in summer league. So stock up for Tari Eason. I've moved him up from like the 14, 15 range to like the 10, 11, 12 range. And again, some of this also is a couple, mainly one or two guys that I moved down. So, you know, when you hear a guy move up, part of that is themselves. Part of it is a few guys that I've also moved down on. Um, I'll hit one more guy before we get into a break. That is Blake Wesley. Blake Wesley ended up getting drafted late first round to the Spurs. I really like the value there. And to me, the way I would describe his summer league, because I think he only shot 30%. He had basically, I think he played four or five games, had two games where he shot pretty well and looked really good. Two games where he shot like three for 15, two for 17, but again, with Summer League, the the main thing you don't want to do is read too much into the shooting percentages on a very small sample. So with him, I would say that he was one of the guys that stood out most positively, especially when you kind of threw out the shooting percentages. Now, he's young. He's a project. And so I'm just looking for flashes. And I was already very high on Blake Wesley before, so I continue to be. But seeing him in person, the first game I saw... Uh, They played the Cavs, and I tweeted right away that his first step, uh, his ability to get wherever he wanted on the court, uh, showed through in it. It was bright. It was easy to see. It popped. That was like one of the main skills or the main attributes that popped at Las Vegas Summer League was Wesley's ability to get wherever he wanted. That first step. And just, like, he's pretty big, too. At 6'4", he's lanky. He's certainly not a smaller combo guard, and so that's why I actually really kind of buy his long-term defensive upside as well. And so just the ability to get wherever he wanted. Now, of course, he's going to have to improve the decision-making after he gets to the rim. He's going to have to improve the finishing. I think he was only at, like, a 50% finisher in college. Uh he, he is a good athlete, but he's not the quickest or like most explosive leaper through traffic right now. His first step and his second step are both really good. They're better than like his leaping ability through contact at this point is how I would describe him athletically. But that's okay. He's He can work on those things. It's going to take him a year or two, in my opinion. I don't think he's going to play all that much. And so... It's it's a projection. It's looking forward with him. But to me, there's no real, like, there's nothing preventing him from reaching a pretty high-end outcome. 
That doesn't mean he will reach it, but to me, his jumper looks good. The pull-up is clean. The physical tools are there. The size for his position is there. The college production was good, especially for what we expected of him. What really shined in college was just how much usage he could take on. The efficiency left some to be desired, but again, just always the ability to get a foot in the paint has been his biggest strength, and that's why I think he is the best guard prospect on the Spurs. I've always liked him more than Primo, and it's close with Branham, but I just prefer Wesley's physical tools. Um, One other note I'll make is Obviously, the decision-making has to improve when he beats his man. But even just within the like week and a half at Summer League, I thought his passing improved. Uh, at least a couple times when you saw him get by his man, he made that skip pass to the corner. A few good dump-offs to the big where he attracted the big and attracted the help and dumped it off. So you saw those things improving in real time. That was good to see. Again, with him, it's not going to be this year. It's going to be a few years down the road. Um, so to finish up on the final segment, I'll hit on my number 13 and number 14 guys as we finish up. All right, so number 13 on my board is AJ Griffin, a guy who did not play in Summer League. Uh, I did move him down like three or four spots, though, and that's because like, I'm just getting worried about the injury stuff. It's just kind of gotten into my head. Uh, We've seen a lot of injuries to now, starting in high school with the dislocated kneecap and then the lower body stuff early on at Duke, and then now kind of the lower body foot stuff that didn't allow him to play at Summer League. Now, from what I've heard, I think it was more just preventative, being cautious, but still, this has been going on a while now, and... Even on top of that, if he does end up playing a lot, you still need to project with him that he's going to get back to his pre-college athleticism for him to return top 10 value, in my opinion. However, one stat that I'll share with you that I had on my notes, excuse me, is he was a 44.7% three-point shooter at Duke. But that was even better if you look at just ACC play. So against ACC teams during ACC play, shot 49% from three on almost five attempts per game. However you slice it, one of the great shooting seasons in recent college basketball history, especially for a freshman, especially for a freshman that is six foot six. So that's why I can't really drop him too far. The other thing I'll add, though, is because I'm including both where they ended up in the draft as well as their summer league performance. So when you look at A.J. Griffin going to the Hawks, I don't know, like a lot of my favorite recent prospects have kind of gone there to die at least for a little bit or at least haven't looked, haven't developed like I would expect. Sharif Cooper being the main one who it sucks to say because I'm a Sharif Cooper fan and I believed in him, but he had one of the most disappointing summer leagues I've ever seen. And then even going back to Skylar Mays in the second round, Okongwu's had injury issues and hasn't been quite what I expected yet. And then Jalen Johnson didn't get to play at all last year. I'm very intrigued to see how much Jalen Johnson plays next year. But AJ Griffin's going to be behind quite a few guys. Atlanta's pretty deep. They're competing now. Like 
I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's just in the G League. And then, so I just hope he doesn't get buried and get lost in the shuffle. But finally, the one guy that I did move down on three or four spots based on the, his play at Summer League, to me, he was the most disappointing bet summer league. That was Johnny Davis. Now I I've been a Johnny Davis fan. And even if you go back and listen to my episodes, uh, one year ago from right now, I was one of the few guys talking about him. So that was a big hit for me was predicting that he was a first round pick. Now, did I see him becoming a top 10 pick? No, I, I didn't like he ended up even being better than I expected last year. And he was just such a confident player at Wisconsin. And frankly, that didn't show up in the summer league. Like if you were to ask me like panic meter one to 10, I'd probably be like a six right now. And that's obviously why I've moved him down three or four spots. The And it's not the shooting percentages with him again at summer league. It was the hesitancy that he played with, the lack of assertiveness. He didn't play on the ball that much, which he didn't always do at Wisconsin, but it seemed so often the main thing I'd see from him, the ball would get kicked out to him on a drive-in kick or just a swing pass. He'd be hesitant to pull the trigger from three, kind of do like a pump fake, drive into traffic, but couldn't create an advantage or any separation either for like a pull-up or get to the rim he'd hesitate, kind of pivot around, and then kick it out. That seemed to be like two-thirds of his possessions offensively. Just didn't create anything, didn't see any of the mid-range creation that we saw in college, did not look explosive, like nothing popped like a top 10 or even like a top lottery pick. Like none of that really showed up in summer league. So apart from just the shots going in, the worrisome thing for me, again, the hesitancy, the lack of assertiveness, like even though he also measured six foot six, to me, he looked pretty small out there. And some of that is just sounds kind of weird, but the aura that you put off, the confidence that you play with, like none of that was there for him. He did not pop as like a lottery pick, looked like basically just another guy out there. And so that to me, he to me was by far the most concerning like other guys like Jabari Smith didn't shoot well, but Jabari Smith is so young. We have, we know Jabari Smith is a great shooter and Jabari Smith looked fantastic defensively. And there were a lot of positives still with him, uh, but, but with Johnny Davis, he's a little bit older. He should have been, he should have looked better. And like with Jabari Smith, the defense really looked fantastic. I didn't really think so with Johnny Davis. Like, and so, there really weren't any positives to take away from him. And then in terms of the team fit, the thing that also concerns me is they've obviously got Brad Beal, but they went out and added Monty Morris, DeLon Wright, Will Barton. They've already got guys like Corey Kispert that they need to get minutes to at like the two, three. And so like how many minutes are there going to be for him to play? And again, he's not a one and done, so he should be more ready to play. Should be a guy that plays a lot this year, but like the Wizards are going to try to win at least for the first like half of the year. So I'm, I am worried about Johnny Davis. I don't drop him out of my like top 14. I've still kept him at 14. I don't want to read too much into summer league. We'll see how he looks in preseason. And again, the other thing I'll add is 
I feel like going into summer league, we say like, oh, let's see what these guys worked on in the summer. Well, a lot of these guys haven't even had a summer at all yet, especially like a Moses Moody and a Kaminga just coming off the finals. Like they haven't had time to add anything to their game. They've just taken a break for like a week and then go into summer league almost. Now, Johnny Davis did have a couple weeks, like a month or two to work on stuff. But all in all, yeah, not certainly a stock down for Johnny Davis. I hate to say it. He's kind of the one guy here that I had to hit on as a guy that's moved down. So to recap, uh, my top seven, Chet, Jabari, Paolo, Ivy, Duran, Sharp, Matherin. And then eight through 14, Sohan, Keegan Murray, Jalen Williams, Tari Eason, Blake Wesley, AJ Griffin, Johnny Davis. And so before I finish up today, I want to say, um, leave a comment. Let me know who's moved up or down from you. Were you as um, discouraged by Johnny Davis' performance? And is there anyone else that I didn't mention that either the situation they're in is something that you think is a big positive or someone that really showed out at Summer League that you buy that translating to the NBA? Again, thank you for tuning in. My name is Sam Ferris. As you can see here, you can follow me at Draft Dummies on Twitter. I really appreciate all of you following me, all of you listening. Thank you for making this your first listen today. Hopefully my COVID voice didn't sound too bad. I appreciate you guys tuning in. Thank you so much for joining the show.